0: Welcome to episode 10 of Romantic Underpinnings, the collaborative romance novel writing podcast. I am Andrew and with me is...
1: Dead Air. Just kidding. This is Ashton. Hope you guys are all doing well.
0: Me too. So in this podcast... uh, Ashton and I are alternating chapters of a historical romance novel we're writing, set in the reign of King William III of England, 1690 to be precise, and we will recap the adventures so far of our hero, from whose perspective Ashton is writing, and our heroine, from whose perspective I am writing, shortly, but first, Ashton has an announcement.
1: Yeah, I just want to dip in with our socials to follow us quick. Our Instagram's Romantic Underpinnings. Our Twitter is at RomUnderPod, so feel free to follow us and like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We should be up on all the usual ones.
0: And where is our website?
1: (laughs) RomanticUnderpinnings.com. Did I not say that?
0: You absolutely did not say that.
1: Off to a banner start.
0: All right, well, if you've enjoyed Ashton's well-organized and composed reading style for the socials, you're going to love her reading this chapter that I wrote last night and earlier today. Um, So let us figure out where we are in the story since last week when we left you, although the actual chapter was written approximately six months ago. Uh, Chapter nine was written six months ago. Chapter 10 is... Hot off the press, this is by far a record turnaround time for us, and you can expect creative juices to be flowing in conjunction with podcast recording for the rest of season one of Romantic Underpinnings. Anyway, um, my heroine, Agatha Van Hoorn, is currently dressed up as a man, Peter DeHauk, in order to go along on a swashbuckling adventure full of intrigue and mystery led by Captain Anthony somebody, I think Thatcher.
1: Well, yeah, it was funny. I listened to the last one where we like somehow decided on Thatcher in between, but episode one, if our dear listeners will remember, it was some ridiculous thing like Schworn. It was Snalsbury. Snalsbury, and we just like skated by that, and people really enjoy that joke. So that might actually be under advisement. I don't know how we picked Thatcher. I think I, when I was doing that, I just put in a name, um, which is actually from that really bad Heath Ledger movie, um, A Knight's Tale. <laughs> That's his last name because his dad's a th- like a roof thatcher or whatever.
0: Ashton, <laughs> your naming decision. Has been weighed and found wanting.
1: Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I
0: can also watch bad Heath Ledger movies. Uh,
1: I mean, Heath Ledger was not the problem in that movie, if you ask me, but the rest of it was pretty atrocious.
0: That's fair. Anyway, Anthony Snalsbury Thatcher—it's you know—he <laughs> was an early pioneer of the hyphenate Fuck. name.
1: Um,
0: is currently a sort of. Up-and-coming young sailor slash semi-pirate whose uh, mentor has passed away a few weeks prior to the events of this novel. And in order to get on his feet as an independent seaman, he is going to... seaman. I- I'm innocent.
1: You were so pleased with that joke, you could barely say the word that. That was not a joke. Cracking a smile.
0: No, not at all. Mm. Um, my lips were uh, such a straight line that... You could do geometry with them. Anyway, he's trying to set himself up as an independent gentleman seaman. And um, (laughs) in order to do this, he's taking a very risky commission from the king to go on a mysterious mission to France, a country with whom England is currently at war. And um, so far... Agatha, who has her own reasons for coming along, she is trying to forge an independent path away from the court and her murky upbringing in the Dutch colonies, Um, is along for the ride pretending to be a man and trying to figure out where she fits into this scheme and where she fits into Anthony's life. Because despite her being dressed as a man, and Anthony, we think, probably being heterosexual, um, there is a kind of connection between them that has been brewing since this is, after all, a romance novel. I believe I have set the stage not only adequately but impeccably, which means Ashton is now going to read my chapter for the very first time, and I should also mention that the chapter itself is a rough draft. I have not read it through from cover to cover, and I have not even gone back as much as a paragraph to re-edit or anything. So this is very fresh And you are going to enjoy what has plopped out of my brain.
1: Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. Yeah, dear listeners, I'm pretty stoked that we're like kind of on time that we started releasing episodes. Because now we have to stay pretty current and or up to date. Which is really going to help me hopefully... Not make colossal messes of chapters and totally forget plot lines and where we are and what we're doing. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but however, I will commence reading chapter 10 from the point of view of Agatha
0: Van Horn. Van
1: Horn. Damn. See, I can't even remember the actual names we've agreed on. Okay. <clears throat> the French coast loomed on the horizon. Mainland Europe held no mystery to Agatha, but she suddenly realized that she hadn't set foot on the continent in over 10 years. She'd never been to France at all, but her French tutor had ensured that she had an impeccable accent and the ability to discuss wine and court intrigue. As the Netherlands were dominated by the merchant classes, she never understood the mystique around an absolute monarch. Not even one as absolute as Louis Fourteenth.
0: 14th. You should have known by the fact that it's 1690, all Roman numerals aside. I've decided that he's going to like be a major plot point because I hadn't really put together that he was the king at the time, but he was doing some pretty kingly shit.
1: Like what?
0: Like reigning and establishing the palace at Versailles and forcing ah, all his courtiers right. to live there despite its horrendously inadequate plumbing.
1: Her tutor regarded France as the pinnacle of art, science, and society. But why should she take his word? He must have been nearly unemployable in his home country to wind up teaching the children of mere traitors in a land of harsh winters and pale beer. Perhaps she'd never given the French a chance. It sounded like she'd get a chance to rectify that on this mission, but Anthony had remained tight-lipped about what they'd actually do upon their arrival in an enemy nation. Anthony had been tight-lipped in general. He and Agatha hadn't spoken much in the days since the storm, but they seemed to spend a lot of time looking at each other. She'd dutifully bring meals to his cabin when he wasn't dining among the crew. She told herself that she started loitering there after dropping off his meals due to her embarrassment over being relieved of cooking duties. It was indeed difficult to eat with the men who now took shifts cooking in her stead in addition to their stated duties. But they didn't really give her any trouble, especially as Anthony had taken her so far under his wing. From the looks some of the men gave her, they probably thought she was under the rest of him as well. Although there wasn't much privacy. Privacy?
0: I mean, it depends on whether you're British or not.
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> on the cramped schooner. Most of Anthony and Agatha's time together consisted of her standing in her cabin while he prodded at his food.
0: Oh, that would be his cabin. I know. She I was like get She doesn't
1: have a cabin. Yeah. She has a hammock, maybe. Well, we were supposed to look at is... the schematics.
0: Well, I, I did today, actually. Oh, and how did that go? Um... You'll find out.
1: <laughs> all right. Yeah the the pronoun thing is rough with her being a him and whatever.
0: Yeah, it's way. I I really need like a set of uh, sticky notes like all over my writing desk.
1: <laughs> <Just>
0: for what? <laughs> Just to remind myself of the shit I need to keep in mind. Like need a her giant.
1: Name- Blueprint tacked up like we're tracing a murderer with a bunch of yarn and pins. Yeah. And shit.
0: Well, no, I I would want like little cardboard cutouts of the of like the drawings of the characters, and then I could put them different places on the on the you ship. just like
1: a map of the entire continent. Yeah. And well, and then that pair a Rebo somewhere.
0: Yeah. No. Just just to like make sure I know where all the characters are because we don't have a we don't have like a continuity editor yet. What do you
1: mean? Yeah.
0: Anyway, it's going to be for the TV adaptation. <laughs>
1: Only if we can get um, the guy who plays Jamie whatever to play Anthony.
0: I think we've already covered this casting decision. Jesus Christ. um, Because you don't go back and read the old chapters or listen to the previous episodes. (laughs) I do listen to
1: to the episodes when they get released. Mm. I just don't remember anything. (laughs) Okay. The night before, he gestured for her to sit in the chair across from him at his small table. The only other chair... The only other chair won the whole ship, come to think of it. What?
0: On the, um, sorry, that oh. was a typo. The only other chair on the whole ship, I was come like, to think what? of
1: it. The men in the hold sat on upturned barrels or lumpy sacks. She took the seat with a mumbled, Thank you, sir. Anthony's silence had been a leaden weight on her chest, but she also found herself scared that he would speak. Occasionally, his eyes darted up at her, but he kept his head down. She caught glimpses of limitless green between his eyelashes, Eyes that had seen pain and kept looking. She'd grown used to such eyes in the colonies, but they were extremely we- rare among the pampered Europeans she'd been consorting with. Is he pampered?
0: Read the next sentence.
1: <laughs> the other men on the cruise certainly hadn't had it easy, but their faces didn't pull her in as deeply. I see. They just seemed to wonder where they'd get their next meal, their next gold coin, or their next furtive fuck. Okay. Agatha decided that Anthony's eyes had too great a hold on her, given the circumstances. Her mind kept returning to them, even as she started stared at the approaching harbor of La Havre. Is that right?
0: La Havre.
1: Okay, I'm not even going to attempt that, dear listeners, but I mean, you heard it here first. Mine
0: wasn't great either, but I will <clears throat> once again say La Havre.
1: Hey where there lurked unknown challenges and certain danger. She hoped that there also lurked money, enough to free herself and her mother at the very least. Her immediate motivation wasn't really too different from that of her crew. She liked to think that she strove for something larger than gratification of her own needs, but she also figured that her close proximity and loaded silences with Anthony had turned her thoughts almost as lascivious as those of the seasoned sailors. Anthony's long arms always had the ropes or wheel doing exactly his bidding, and his thick legs propelled him up the ring with a speed. <laughs> thick legs?
0: I mean, that's appealing, right?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> thick legs? Okay, muscular what a descriptor.
0: <laughs> legs. I mean, they're not like spindly little crane legs. Muscular
1: would have worked better, I think, but thick legs? With muscle?
0: Yeah, like he's strong and has. Thickly built legs. (laughs) I've watched baseball with enough people who are into men to know that, like, thick legs are appealing.
1: Yeah, but, like, I mean, listen, I don't want to step on people's kinks or whatever they're into, but, like, just thick legs, maybe not, like...
0: Yeah, yeah, because that might make them seem sort of like they're just, like, lumpy or or something. Or, like,
1: thick all the way down, which is, like, a weird... Oh, so you need a taper. Yeah, you can have, like, an ankle...
0: Or whatever. come on. He's still hot even with (laughs) cankles.
1: I mean, I'm not saying that that's not possible. I'm just saying what a word to describe his legs. Okay, I
0: meant muscular legs. (laughs) Bulky?
1: Oh, that's worse. These are all the (laughs) words you use to describe my legs. And I think you know how I feel about all of them. (laughs) Just to say, not flattered.
0: I mean... As you can see, I'm writing a character very attracted to someone <laughs> who talks like this. Anyway, continue.
1: Okay. <clears throat> and his thick legs propelled him up the rigging with the speed and lightness that belied his solid build. <laughs> solid build. Yeah, I'm uh, he's saying, a house. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no yeah
0: because like i think we know that he's like you know he's like strong. a muscular guy yeah and
1: he's not carrying around a lot but of excess. some
0: yeah but some muscular guys are like more lumbering but he is lithe and I spider-like so, like, and agile none of,
1: none of those words made it into your description <laughs> i mean speed and lightness did you didn't say any of those when you just described it now Yeah,
0: but he has speed and lightness because he's agile and nimble. I mean, that's the way it works. Got it.
1: (laughs) I'm just happy we finally have a picture of him because neither one of us has really described the other character. And we're like 10 chapters in.
0: Yep. Legs like cocktail weenies under a microscope.
1: (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Oh, my God. So (laughs) Especially in that like casing. <laughs>
0: oh. Yep, same same width, except like they get uh, little yeah, things on the little, mo- little stands. Stumps near his feet and <laughs> his hip joints do not bear description. But anyway.
1: <laughs> oh my God. <clears throat> um this man had the mind to grasp the breath of a situation, the instincts to react with ease to whatever happened in the moment, and the sheer strength to do whatever he wanted agatha had enjoyed her numerous liaisons with the staff at stella's body house but they had a comfortable and almost congenial congenial no collegial jesus christ collegial feel all pleasure with no mystery agatha felt a desire to untangle anthony's secrets and laying him bare would be just one component of laying him bare the prospect of a night with anthony seemed ineffably more more dangerous, more uncertain, more exciting. Agatha couldn't figure out just what she wanted in a partner, but it seemed like Anthony might be able to help. Would he be pleased or disappointed when he discovered her secret? Men, Men, bellowed Anthony. Agatha snapped from her reverie with a twinge of disorientation and guilt. The object of her speculation stood on the raised deck toward the fore, surveying his crew. Agatha was gratified to realize that at least a couple of her crewmates had been similarly idle. Anthony continued in a softer bellow. (laughs) Softer bellow? I mean, he's still
0: bellowing, but he's not bellowing at the top of his lungs. Okay. He has an air of command and authority. Uh,
1: He's not just like working the forge. What? Oh, oh, bellow. bellow. (laughs)
0: Oh. Oh, my lord.
1: I'm sorry. I really appreciated that. I know we don't have exactly the same pun- fun but i thought it was very funny
0: i wouldn't call it a pun necessarily as yeah very elliptical play on words that was of the highest quality if you're into that sort of thing
1: now that we can see france and we haven't been intercepted it's time to tell you all what comes next i told you all that this wasn't a pleasure cruise and now you get to find out why We have wool and barley in the hold, and we're going to sell it in Paris. While we're in Paris, we'll have another errand to run, which you'll find out about when the time is right. For now, we're humble traders who definitely aren't also carrying three kegs of gunpowder. Charlie broke in. He was the least worldly in the crew aside from perhaps Agatha, and he couldn't contain his puzzlement. With all due respect, Captain, why are we trading valuable goods to France? Aren't we at war with them? What will the- what will make them trust us? Wow, sorry, that was my bad reading job. A fair question, Anthony replied, from the minute we dock at La Havre. How was that?
0: Oh, and in- impeccable. Now I'm just doing it to
1: be annoying. We'll be posing not only as war profiteers, but as downright traitors. We need to convince the French that we care more about their money than the security of the English crown. You lot of scoundrels should play the part well if you can keep your mouths shut. Keep in mind that we have no idea who might speak English down there. The French might have some of their own lads like our young Peter. This time Lobo spoke. With a level of respect to be determined by your answer, Captain, what's going to prevent us from being hanged in the unlikely happenstance that we return safely to England? The king doesn't take too ki- sorry, the king doesn't take kindly to providing succor to our enemy in times of war, and there's still some wool that evaded Charlie's little turpentine spill. Those fancy blue uniforms will keep our enemies warm out on a campaign while we watch our countrymen slap together a gallows for us. Wow, that was quite the sentence, honey.
0: Yeah, he's, uh...
1: Descriptive. Yes. Anthony's face grew stormy. I'll deal with the king, Lobo. Any Englishman who captures us should have received notice that were to be conveyed directly to King William or Queen Mary if he's out of the country. We just need to give them the password. Password, really? Yeah. Wouldn't it be like code word?
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't know if password or code word yeah, would have necessarily... Like, yeah, Shibboleth, maybe? Shibboleth is a great word.
1: I've never even heard of that, so that's probably right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't really like do too much research on English language usage. I'm pretty sure that like phrases like with all due respect, etc., are Mm, um later. Yeah, incredibly later than that. But whatever, not to mention with a level of respect to be determined by your answer, etc. 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 Yeah, because
1: these probably wouldn't be super well educated men, right? Like
0: Well Lobo sort of is. Or Lobo Lobo, has Lobo moves in a variety of circles. As he is some kind of like gentleman or not so gentleman thief type character, Mm -hmm. I believe, uh, for those who do not remember. But um, either way, these essentially just these people all just like talk like hyper articulate people from approximately the 1990s. And I'm fine with that for now. We'll (laughs) fix it in post.
1: (laughs) I just think password sounds so juvenile, like no girls allowed. What's the password type of thing? So that's why I called it out.
0: Yeah, well, there theoretically weren't girls allowed on this mission, and look how that turned out.
1: Lobo grinned. So what's this password? I'd hate for someone in the crew to get separated and not be able to inform the Crown that we're on the right side. That's enough, Lobo, Anthony said. I may not be as devious as you, but I'm not stupid enough to give you all a ticket home before we complete our mission. We're nearing the harbor. You've all served on merchant ships, so get ready to submit to inspection before we continue down the scene. Sen? Sen. Sen. My bad. You'll have to go ashore and drink in order to avoid suspicion, but don't get out of control. And please don't let anything slip to the French ladies, no matter whether the tales of their inventiveness are... What? No matter whether the tales of their inventiveness are well-founded. What?
0: I'm saying that the...
1: Like you can fuck them, but don't talk to them?
0: Well, don't talk to them about anything important... But also don't be too blown away by all their like secret French lovemaking techniques because the French are, you know, famous for their
1: secret no lovemaking techniques. Oh, wow. That's a weird sentence then. Yeah. Well, he
0: was speaking extemporaneously. You can't expect him to have perfect or even good syntax.
1: Mm. Okay. Now tack to starboard. It's time to dock. Did you look that up?
0: No, I, I made up <laughs> tack to starboard off the top of my head. Really? I mean, I know that tacking is a thing. Really?
1: I don't think it's a legit thing in this. Well, I don't know, I guess.
0: I mean, it's something you do in a sailboat, and I'm pretty sure yeah, they don't have, like, an outboard motor. How is How do you think the scooter is propelled?
1: I mean, I would think, like, in this case, they would, like, tear the mass and shit down and, like, get the... They would have to row in. They wouldn't just dock immediately. Like, the, it gets too shallow for their shit, so they have to, like, get the oars out and row in.
0: I think that the right kind of harbor, the big ships could pull up and dock. That's well, how they're you not unload even ships. in
1: necessarily a big ship.
0: Have you been to La Havre? What does but, that
1: have anything to do with it? Well, no, though. I'm
0: saying it's like a major harbor. Is it
1: deep, though? It doesn't matter how big yeah, the actual true. harbor is. It just matters how deep it is.
0: True, but this is a small-ish schooner, after all. Mm-hmm. And for the purposes of our narrative, they have to, like... You know, park their boat there and talk to the French customs people so that they can continue going on down the river.
1: Okay, fine. I still think they would row the rest of the way in so that they don't have control I don't think you row a schooner. The... You row everything. You row those big ships too. Especially when there's like a dead wind and stuff. You have to be able to manually move your boat. Yes, you do.
0: Oh. <laughs> How do the oars work on, like, one of those really well, huge you, boats? Well, they
1: have them connected. They're sort of like the cannons. They have, mm-hmm. like, holes in the side, like, high oh. up, and then the men st- sit or stand.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, maybe they're tacking so that they can get into row position.
1: <laughs> but I don't know that you would, I mean, I guess I'd, I honestly don't really know about the tack thing, but no, I don't know I- why you'd want all the shit on the right side of the boat.
0: I was just imagining. Well, no, like tacking to starboard just means like like turning some, right? Oh,
1: okay. it's not like
0: moving everything to starboard. I thought you your were like tip over. Like,
1: well, you wouldn't tip over, but I thought they were like battening down all the hatches to starboard, and I was like, no,
0: I don't think that's what attacking. Is I think tacking <laughs> is like a sailing maneuver that makes you change direction in some way. Like essentially, how I'm thinking about this is because I've like seen illustrations of big-ass boats parked in harbors.
1: They're like, not parked.
0: Yes, they are. No
1: boat is ever parked.
0: All right. Plopped down in harbors. Um, <laughs> And like, the way I'm imagining them getting there is sort of like in a movie when some like, badass action hero needs to park a car, and then they like, just throw the wheel to the side, and it like, spins all the way around and comes perfectly to rest in a parallel parking spot.
1: That's not how it works. <laughs>
0: We'll find out <laughs> once, because you know how, like you know, they have, they have like Twilight tours and stuff there, and or you could go on like a Sherlock Holmes tour of London. Eventually, they're gonna do themed, uh, cross English Channel boat trips based on uh, this intellectual property. And once we're on <laughs> hey. one of the boat trips, being led by a seasoned thick-legged captain oh my god we will find out for sure how they park the boats. to
1: be honest that would be fucking legit especially if they like built or if they still have any schooners that are from the right time period and would be like legit
0: oh they'd build a replica schooner it'd be like our version of harry potter world they would so just build cool. a schooner to the specifications based on everything oh we god. wrote <laughs> it would capsize immediately <laughs> but they would build it
1: we can't do that we can have the boat actually work as a boat.
0: That's true because we have to pull into Le Havre.
1: Anyway, all right. <clears throat> it's time to dock. Dipper evalu- evaluated the breakwater through his spyglass and gave some terse instructions to the crew. Church towers grew more detailed behind the rough wooden cranes at the port. One port looked and worked much like another, but Agatha wondered how the French would respond to an enemy ship sailing in with such nonchalance. The crew didn't trust her with many of the intricate tasks involved in docking, so she took the opportunity to join Anthony, who had continued nursing his glower on the forecastle.
0: Forecastle. Boom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, like, I'm surprised you put docking in there, not parking.
0: You know, I might just colloquially (laughs) refer to you know, stopping a boat and tying it to a piece of wood that's attached to the shore as parking. Mm-hmm. But in my capacity as a novelist, oh. I have to be fairly formal. <laughs> sort of like if I were writing a like tr- a strategy guide for chess, I would actually refer to the horsies as rooks. But in <sighs> day-to-day conversation, they're obviously still horsies.
1: Anyway. What are the pawns?
0: Uh, just little dudes.
1: (laughs) Sir, if I may ask a question. You too, said Anthony. I guess you're not different from the other men after all. LOL. You'd be surprised, sir. (laughs) That's her version of LOL. Agatha closed her eyes, took a deep breath, and started again. I mean, sir, I'm sure you have everything in hand but I can't help but wonder what we'll tell the French authorities. We cover what happens if the English catch us, but what prevents the French from claiming our ship and its contents on the spot? Anthony's face softened almost imperceptibly, and he tilted his chin slightly upward toward Agatha. It's you, Peter. I figured we'd have to muddle through with hand gestures and hope to avoid being used as bayonet practice, but now I have another use for that impeccable tongue of yours. Oh, my God, honey.
0: <laughs> I have nothing to say. for you.
1: <laughs> Sir? Agatha asked. She briefly wondered whether Anthony was telepathic. You're French, lad. You speak it like you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth and a wine glass up your arse. Oh, it says wine bottle, actually. Sorry.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, it's not different. not painful, but it's less painful than a wine glass.
1: Most likely. Well, are you speaking from first-hand experience? Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) Okay, sorry. You're French, lad. You speak it like you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth and a wine bottle up your arse. You get to be a courtier who I press-ganged while you were out at the docks in search of supple flesh. That makes me a hardened pirate willing to pass on his filched English cargo at a fair price. More importantly, I'm willing to come back with more if they with more, if they deal with me fairly on this trip. We're betting that the French need that the French need for raw materials outweighs their desire for an unassuming ship and a negligible victory over the English. Do you understand? Agatha gulped. Yes, sir, I'll try not to let you down, but I've never traded anything before. You're Dutch, right? It's in your blood, and all I ask of you is to do what comes naturally. I look forward to seeing it. Agatha gulped once again.
0: End of chapter.
1: That was the last bit. Well.
0: Don't you look forward (laughs) to where we have to go. You get to find out how far up the Seine a schooner can get.
1: I do, huh?
0: (laughs) Sorry, I got very distracted by you <laughs> drinking my wine.
1: <laughs> that was a really long pause. I was like, what's the big deal? Mine's gone.
0: Well, yeah, no, I was like trying to think of the next thing to say uh, about, you know, schooners and stuff. But I just um, was too distracted by just the sheer amount of debonaritude That you were able to bring to stealing someone else's alcoholic beverage.
1: I'm just that irresistible, dear listeners. It's true.
0: You should have seen (laughs) the debonerosity of it all.
1: That's not a word.
0: Yes. (laughs) So, do you have any thoughts, previews as to where this might go, where you might take things, any teasing you can do for our devoted listeners?
1: um in the biz we call it edging (laughs) (laughs) um no but i'm gonna have to like write the doc scene and figure out how to like work in your like weird blackmail thing you've devised which is actually good because i was like i don't know what the fuck we're gonna do once we get to paris like how is this gonna go and i never even thought about like them being traitors or them having to like figure out what to do because they're at war with france
0: yeah, I assumed, like, I looked it up. They'd, they'd been at war for, like, two years at this point. So okay. I don't think that, like, people would just be, like, s- s- heading across the English Channel right. trading their <clears> wool and <throat> barley as usual. I also don't know, relatively, whether, you know, f- England had a lot of barley that France would want. Wool, I'm pretty certain of, but I didn't want to stop and look at, like, industrial outputs and I'm whatnot. I'm sure they
1: had, some like, some barley.
0: I just figured that the general England and Ireland type zone is full of barley and France could want some and I did try with you know my usual just incredibly deft touch with exposition I tried (laughs) to sort of set some parameters around how this actual mission would work I mean we'll know more about this sort of heist plot line later oh, geez. but they at least needed a cover story oh, to get yeah. this far
1: i mean that was good i don't know like what i would have said so that's fine
0: all right well you now know you now get to have agatha negotiating with french people i sort of think she's gonna get in some trouble on the docks oh they're definitely. gonna they're gonna be on a river and you know it's it's unfortunate because i really want like on their way back from Paris, they should inner tube down the river. Oh my
1: god, that would be so disgusting! I think the Seine in 1690 was nasty as hell.
0: I mean, not at once you got a few miles. Away weren't from they just Paris, like I using I
1: it as like cow pasture dumpage though? Oh, like in northern France. I mean, I guess probably. I don't know exactly like where it starts and where it goes, but it seems like it would be gross.
0: Well yeah, I don't know where it starts. It starts like it goes like way past Paris and who even cares.
1: But um <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I think there were a lot of like farms along the way because it's not like they had built up amazing aquifers or whatever. I mean, I'm sure they had some, but like it's like a main method of waste. Yeah, removal. that's a good
0: point. I mean the Romans had amazing aquifers, right. but that was more southern France anyway, and I don't know mm. if they were still in operation in sixteen ninety. Right. Anyway <laughs> The point is, Louis XIV is going to love their fucking barley so much, and it's going to give them a chance to do this crown switcheroo plot line that we haven't quite f- fleshed out yet.
1: <laughs> so stay tuned. I know you're all on the edge of your seats.
0: I know I am. <laughs> because I can't personally wait to tune in next week for chapter 11 of Romantic Underpinnings. Thank you for listening and good night.
1: Bye.